doesn't mean you're doing it on your own. It means you're doing it in the strength of the Lord as you co-labor with the Lord. But the reason it's important to have that posture is where you fail to continually upgrade, you are a sitting place for the enemy. Where you fail to choose to grow, where you fail to choose to not to uh, learn to see things from God's perspective, you're like the road runner when he's in the middle of the road. You're going to get run over. Meet me. That's why Jesus, right, be neither cold nor hot because I'm going to spew you out of mouth. I'd rather you one way or the other. One of the tragedies, and this is really important, this goes back to this point of Jesus is the standard, not the person next to you. Say that again. Jesus is the standard, not the person next to you. Remember years ago, there was this young lady, nice girl, and we were talking about like, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues and stuff. And she said, my mom, maybe I have a little something against her there. That way I'm saying it, you know, you pick up things about yourself. My mom is a great prayer warrior, but she's never prayed in the spirit. I'm thinking, your mom's not the standard. You'll get that in a minute. <laughs> because she's a prayer warrior, doesn't pray in the spirit, she's not my standard. So sometimes people are like, well, you know, I'm doing this and, you know, I'm doing a lot more than a lot of people. They're not the standard. And so the standard has become so low many times among God's people. And I don't believe, I know there's a little different place here. I don't believe this whole thing that, you know, people just don't want to sit there for hours on end and things of the Lord, you know, we just get them in and out and we just give them what they want and just try and help them where they're at. No, they just don't want to sit what you're doing for hours on end. Because <laughs> if you... The Catherine Coleman, the Benny Hinn meetings where the glory was, it'd be six hours and be like, oh, I don't want to leave. That is the wisdom of man. And so we lower the bar. We lower the bar. It's like saying, God wants to give you a triple PhD, but we're going to keep you in tiddlywinks. So the enemy's goal, so this is important that you, you see yourself and there, there's an advancing grace. There is a posture of your heart. God, I, 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 I need to know everything you need me to know right now. I want to grow. I want to advance. I want to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. I want to grow in patience. Just get ready for all those things to come out then. It's a beautiful thing. No, it really is. You... You will never discover how much you really need Jesus until you posture your heart to surrender everything to him. It's like, Lord, I give you my heart. And you like leave here. And you're going to buy like coffee and like it's all out of order and they're mean to you and all your demons are coming to the surface. And you're like, I really need him. Not you, the person behind you. Me. <laughs> It's, it's, it's only, the reason I say that is Peter didn't discover he had a demon in him until he was fully surrendered to Jesus. So what does he do? So he comes for total indoctrination. And you also notice that if we don't ch train, you will be trained. You are being trained in some way or another. He, 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 uh, he read that verse, Proverbs 3. So let's just use a very simple one that should be elementary for believers. It often becomes a difficult thing. 
you, maybe you just come into the body of Christ and I'm sorry if you've been around people who've been manipulated or trying to take advantage of you in this area, but maybe you've never heard about this giving thing or giving of tithe and stuff. And so, so, oh, that can't be right. I just, they just want our money, whatever this is. They're always asking for money, always special offering, all these, these speakers, all these things. So instead of looking at the word, and don't, don't trust me because I say it or Pastor Dave said, read the Bible for yourself. Be a Berean. Be a Berean. And once you become convinced of that, but once you, once you say, no, 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 no. Nah, no, I'm not, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe in that seed faith stuff. Okay. You're leaning into your own understanding. And most people will not tell you that they don't want what God has for them in that area or they don't want to obey the word in that area. They will create a theology to not grow in that area. I remember years ago, it was just me. You know, I was going after things of the Lord and I, and I hear, I go to Benny Hinku and say, he says, it is the will of God for everybody to save. That messed with my mind a little bit. I wanted to know because I saw people pray for they weren't healed. It's okay to have questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. If you can't ask me a question, then, you know, I'm not worth listening to. Really. I'm not offended by questions. Sometimes, I, you know, I don't know. I've never considered. Well, that's a great point. You've never considered that. Now, don't attack me. That's not nice. Be nice. But, but it's okay to ask questions. I really don't understand this. I'm trying to understand this. So I said, well, what does the word of God say? Take back what I know. Take my experience back. Take Sister Ethel, who we believe God. She had cancer. We prayed for her. She died. So it must not be God's will. Oh, you have an Ethel. Excuse me. Sister Beatrice. Sister Beatrice. Beatrice. Yeah. Okay. Shaniqua. <laughs> Sister Shaniqua. <laughs> no Shaniqua today? Okay. All right. Sister Angela. Okay. Yeah, okay. Stop. <laughs> You're messing up my illustration. And you know what? There are things. There are things. Part of the challenge of growing, and this is okay. Part of the challenge of walking in Revelation is that we do have an intellect. So it's okay to have these queens. And it's wonderful to wrestle with them. It's wonderful to wrestle through them. What's not wonderful is not to filter it out and see how it applies to your life. You know, I've never met anyone that goes, no, I don't want to move a God. But they did figure out a way to say it wasn't God. There are people who prayed for revival for years, I remember. And Toronto came. They're like, that's not the Lord. So you'll see here that the enemy comes for total indoctrination. Three years of training. So you, the point here we want to make is that you, will be, you are being trained or have chosen a belief system no matter what you're believing. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar comes to do. He, rena he renames them. In a name, your name prophesies your destiny. So what does he want to do? He wants to train them and he begins by changing their name. 
I want to reorientate your prophetic destiny is what he's trying to do. He wants to feed them. He wants to educate them. What is he trying to do? He's trying to undergird the foundation of the kingdom of God, and that is God is your source of all things. You can now look to me, Nebuchadnezzar, as your source. But Daniel, purpose in it, well, let me, yeah, we'll read that here in a minute. Actually, what I'd like to do here is I want to look at this story really quickly, but I want to look at the end of the story and how this story developed. Look at Daniel 1 again. God, I've said this a number of times this weekend, he declares the end from the beginning. But I want to look at the anatomy of the story of how this actually takes place, that they find themselves 10 times better than the other guys in training. Verse 20. As for every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them 10 times better than all the soothsayers and priests and conquerors were, who, who were in his realm. And Daniel continued in the first year of Cyrus the king. So, I, I like to do it this way. I, I, want, I, I want to break down the story this way in this sense. The Lord would say to you, you're going to be amazing. This is going to happen. You're going to be a millionaire. It's all going to take place. You're going to be 10 times better. You're going to go into this dark place. You're going to go into Harvard and they're going to want to feed you certain food and you're going to say no to that food and you're going to come out and you're going to prove to everyone that you're 10 times better. But how does this happen? That's the question I have. I'm a person of how does this happen? So let's break down the story here quite quickly. Daniel 1 says this. Verse 4. Sorry, I'm in the wrong translation. I read it before. Here we go. Then the king instructed Asina, the master of eunuchs, to bring some of the children, their children, their children, and later it will say, Daniel purposed in his heart, he was not going to eat the food. How does a child He's a child. Most people think no more than 12 or 13. He's probably, possibly eight or nine. They are ripped from their parents. They are taken out of their situation. And now they are put in a completely different environment. Literally, they are in Babylon. How does he know not to do that? He had a family structure that taught him the ways of the covenant. Now, catch this part. As a whole, the nation was in idolatry. That's the reason I emphasize this part. The other person next to you, even if they're a believer in Shandai, and go to the Global Supernatural School of Ministry, Prophets and Deliverance, and Healing Deliverance Breakthrough Conference, they are not your standard. Because there is a dividing line taking place in the body of Christ. The, the nation as a whole, but there's still someone in this nation. There's still a family in this nation that is teaching their children the ways of the law. There's a God of covenant. There's a God who can be your source. No matter what happens, son, even if you leave this place, even if they take us from you, don't, don't disobey the word of God. God will be faithful to his word. Right. 
I look back on my life because I like to understand how I learned certain things. Again, I'm trying to understand learning processes. How does this happen? My parents built the foundation for which I stand on today. I learned commitment to the things of God. I learned that prayer was not just in front of a meal. I'm serious. I love Baptists. I love Methodists. I don't need that type of prayer when I'm in trouble. God bless you if that's how you pray. Please grow up. Sorry. No, not really sorry. It's the afternoon. I'm getting some things off my chest here. So. I heard my, my mom was classic Pentecostal. She hadn't got the part that God's kind quite yet, but she knew how to pray. She, she would pray. I heard her. She would weep before the Lord every afternoon. She was a school teacher, but come home and pray. God! She would name the day she, she dedicated my sister and I to the Lord. He's yours, God. Not mine. Make him miserable till he serves you, God. Let the hand of the doubt, let him never hurt anyone. That's what she said. Let him never hurt anyone. Make it difficult for him to sin, God. I don't know if I had the fear of the Lord or afraid of my mom. I think I was more afraid of my mom. It's really difficult to sin when your mom prays like that. It really is. I, I, you know, I'd be getting ready to do bad stuff, and I, and I would hear my mom, you want to do that when Jesus is returning? Mm. My dad taught me a love for the Word of God. He would read Scripture today every morning. We'd read scripture. I remember Dr. Robert Cook out of New York. His, his, his program is still on today. He's gone to be with the Lord. That's a legacy. I would remember, I still hear, like in my spirit every morning, walk with the king today and be a blessing. When I heard our pastor announce, my, my dad was a deacon in the church for many years. He, Brother so-and-so is going to come. And when I was really young, it would be all week to come and minister. You guys think you have a lot of meetings here. <laughs> when, I got, when I got a little older, you know, we backslid and went from Sunday through Wednesday. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they wouldn't pick a night to come. They go, well, Abner goes to bed at eight, so we won't be here. No. You got dressed in the bathroom in your pajamas. You'd wake up in the middle of the night with people under the pews under you. I remember one night, I think I remember, I was so excited because I didn't think we were going to go that night because there's parent teacher. And, oh no, we went after it was over. <laughs> was there maybe some wrong motivation? Probably, but I, I saw commitment to the things of God. I learned that life wasn't all about me. Sometimes when we would finish service, my dad would go for years and visit this man in a nursing home. I learned service to people. They're still foster parents today. My parents are in their 70s. They have a four, no, he's four, he's nine now. He came at four months old. They've had 50 or 60 kids come through to live with them. So I stand on that foundation. 
if I was ever to serve the devil, it would not have been my parents' fault. I can say that to you. I could never say, you didn't teach me. It was real. They weren't perfect, still not perfect. So family structure kept this man. They taught the young Daniel about God and his covenant. They taught him that God can be your source in the middle of difficulty. Daniel had a God mindset. That's why he's purposed. That means he's decided already, regardless of the situation, I'm not doing this. What is a mind that's set? It's a mind that's set. I can feel it sometimes. Not you, not anyone in this room. But sometimes when you're saying stuff, I got people I know, they're not going to do anything I'm about to say. Their mind is set. It's not bad or good. They have just decided the place they're going to live in that moment. I've learned a great, great thing as a minister of the gospel. I'm no one's Messiah. I can't convince you to change. I'll offer you an opportunity. I'll do everything. I will give my life to, to, to show you the biblical tools. I'll minister you. I'll pray for you. But you're not my responsibility. I don't let people put that guilt on me. Well, you didn't do that. No, not my problem. Talk to God about it. <laughs> I need to talk to you right away. No, you don't. You need to do what I told you three months ago. Because I gave you what the word of God said. Now here's something interesting. And notice too, that when God speaks to Daniel, he doesn't speak to him in the name that they gave him. God is still calling him Daniel. It doesn't matter how the world tries to label you. <laughs> You're one of those religious fanatics. I'm guilty as charged, yes. <laughs> but you know what? My mind is whole, my body is well, and God is prospering me. <laughs> I take that over your craziness any day, you know. <laughs> Remember years ago, actually, uh, during the, the big stadium in L.A., the Uber driver picked me up, and she said something. I said, well, today is a good day for you. Oh, is that so? I said, yes. She goes, why? I said, because I'm not broke like you. My mind is whole. And I said, God invites you to live like that. Would you like that? I don't know. I said, well, he'd like you to be better, but I'm not going to force it on you. She just looked at me. I know in whom I have believed. It's not arrogance. You can have it too. All you got to do is surrender. But think about what's happening here. He allows himself to be renamed. He allows himself even to be educated. This is a big, this is, this is, this is the, the, to me, at least to me, the high point of what God would have us look at today. Daniel did not go there and go, I'm an Israelite, you ain't educated me like that. It's not the word of God, I ain't listening to you, you ain't calling me my name, my name's Daniel. And I'm picketing. I'm not even saying there's not a place for that. I'm just saying this is a key right here in the moment we live in. He had discernment. What do I need to reject? It was a high honor in that culture to eat with a king. 
but to eat with him, most people would have interpreted that as friendship with him. So he drew the line there, in my opinion, based upon the discernment he even had as a child. In the culture we live in, there are biblical principles. Yes, there are right ways of living. All this stuff. But in the world we live in, to affect Babylon, you have to discern where you will take certain stands in certain things. I didn't particularly enjoy nor believe that wearing masks for a year and a half or two years on a plane was actually stopping anything. I remember flying home from a certain nation uh, first year of COVID. It was like December and I was drinking a cup of coffee and not for anything. Usually they treat you nicer up front. I'm up front and I'm drinking a cup of coffee and the guy says, you need to pull up your mask. And I said, I'm drinking a cup of coffee. He said, no, you're looking at your iPad. <laughs> I could have said, why are you treating me like this? This is not right. And I probably would have made a video, a viral video of being left in a nation. <laughs> So you have to, he, he, here is where you exercise discernment. Discernment, um, it could be defined many different ways, but here's a definition the Lord gave me. The ability to act in culture according to the wisdom of God that consistently influences and changes the world according to the will of God. So you have to have discernment. You have to discern, is this, is this something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight here? All those things were pretty evil that they were doing to him. All those things were challenging to him. But he had to discern how he was going to act in that moment. And then this mindset kicks in because he says to the guy, he said, test us. Test us. Do you have a belief system in the word of God that you'll say to other people, test my belief system? Daniel governed and served the world he lived in by answering the king's problems, which resulted in prominence, position, and wealth. And here's a key part that flows through the whole theme of the book of Daniel. You do not gain favor in this world by compromising. In another place, too, in Scripture, that I love, the king comes to him, another king, troubled. These are evil men that he served, by the way. A lot more evil. No, I'm not going to say that, but they were evil men. These are ruthless men. One of these ruthless men comes to Daniel one day. Imagine that. You have influence with really evil people. What a beautiful thing. <laughs> he trusts you enough. And he goes, I've had this pretty horrific dream, or pretty horrific encounter. Read it. This is a bad guy. 
And I love this. He has a heart of God for the guy. He goes, basically, I have the interpretation, but I wish, and it's a word of judgment. And he goes, but I wish it was not for you. That's the heart of God. This is about to happen, but I wish it wasn't for you. Part of seeing the world according to God's perspective is seeing people through the lens of the mercy and the goodness of God for them. Said it this morning, we should see President Biden through the lens and the mercy of God. We should see Kamala Harris through the lens and the mercy of God. We should see every member of that administration through God's lens of mercy and kindness. If it's not us standing in the place of watchmen, who will? This is a battle that is not of flesh and blood. Daniel's service to God became an act of worship because he had a belief system that was superior to a Babylonian system. Imagine being brought in to serve a king and choosing how you're going to be fed and then becoming superior to everyone else being fed with different food. He governed his world with the belief system that God gave him. He governed his world with the belief system that God gave him. It didn't mean he didn't have a challenge. It didn't mean it wasn't difficult. Some people think these guys are probably castrated. We don't know that for sure. I like to think that they were not because I have Disney versions of Bible stories if God doesn't tell me. (laughs) But it started with a family who taught their son not to compromise. You'll notice too, that the ones who are the sharpest, the ones who've been taught the word of God, that's who the enemy gunned for in Babylon. Why bring those guys to be educated? They're already in Babylon. Let's get the wise ones. So when you're growing in truth, realize that the enemy will try and steal the purpose and the knowledge that God has given you to grow in. And I believe that this is such a beautiful time to be alive that in the middle of probably an unprecedented season in United States history, we still have the privilege of governing the world according to God's belief system. But a key is traveling in wisdom, learning what to say in the right season, in the right timing. Learning what to go. No, you're not going to, you know, all these things. And so, Lord, we thank you today for the ability to be governed by wisdom, to be governed by the word of the Lord. And if you just receive this word, I just want you to stand on your feet this afternoon. By the way, thank you for listening. If you just receive this word, just lift your hands to heaven. Did you receive something this afternoon?
Okay, three of you did. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the three of you. Any place of shifting, any place of change, any place of repentance, just take a moment to, Lord, just forgive me. Any place where God identified an adjustment, just real simple, Lord, forgive me.